with the sport being taken away from me, you know, I've, I've been doing this now and I've been on senior teams for the past 10 years now, and I've never had a prolonged break away from the pool to kind of mentally and physically refresh. So it just kind of relit this fire within me that I don't know how long I have left in the sport. And I just thought, you know what, if the Olympics is a year and a half away, like I just have to give it everything for this year and a half. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Social Kick podcast. Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there, wherever you're listening. We got Luke, the historian, with me, and I am Dr. John. So we are excited here because we have a great guest today. Our guest was a 2016 Olympic finalist at Rio. She also is coming off an amazing UK trials where she popped up pretty quick, 220 in the 200 long course breaststroke, the second fastest time in the world this year. She swims with Dave Hemmings, and I'm curious if they call their group the Hemmings Lemmings. None other than Molly Renshaw. How are you doing today, Molly? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, excellent. So obviously, we're still pretty close to UK trials. Those weren't too long ago. So we'd love to just hop in, start talking about your races, and have some race reflection. So I believe the hundred or the 200 breast was first for you. Is that correct? Yeah, the 200 was fast. Perfect. So why don't we go ahead and get into your analysis on the 200 breast? Obviously, at 220, great time for you. Were you happy with that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was over the moon, you know. I've kind of been sat at around a 222 or 223 for a few years now. So, um, yeah, the training has been going really well. And I think being able to pop 222s at the Manchester Neats unrested, that kind of gave me a little bit more confidence going in that, I perhaps could hopefully drop a bit of time with a taper. So, um, yeah, over the moon of the time, I think it's always been a time that I've kind of dreamed of going. So I've kind of finally reached that, and now it's kind of looking forward to see what I can do from there. Yeah, and definitely a fun race, obviously. You and your teammate, it sounds like, the – the the lemmings you guys going at it in that 200 breast um you it looked like you went out very strong and you just had an overall great race was that your race strategy going in i mean obviously when you're with someone you train with you have a little bit of knowledge of how maybe they'll swim it was the thought to all right i'm just going to get out first hold on and go from there yeah i think um Obviously, I train with Abby every day, but I think going into the race, I kind of have to treat it as I almost go in and I swim with blinkers on. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of just concentrating on what I can do rather than what's going on around me. Um, sure. But before my race, Dave just kind of said to me, like, um, be brave. And I think that's been the mantra of this whole season, kind of be brave, whether that's been in training, I've been going longer reps than I ever have before and pushing myself in ways that I never have. So the mantra of the whole season has been brave. And literally before that 200 breaststroke, he kind of came up to me and he was like, you know what you're capable of, just go out there and be brave. Um, he says, what will be, will be kind of thing. So yeah, I went out there and I went out pretty fast. And it's usually the back 50 that I tend to drop off. So that's kind of why I, I try and go out as fast as I can and just see if I can cling on for the last 50. Um, but yeah, it all just came together really nicely. And I think I was out in a 144, which I was aiming for, um, and then managed to come back in a 36. So ended in a really good time for me. You're one of the swimmers who um, is very consistent. You, you finaled at every major games we, we have in the sport, just about. Um, what was the pressure like? What was, what was it like at trials? Did you feel relaxed because you're experienced? Did you feel relaxed? Is nobody there? Or it doesn't really matter to you? A race is a race, and you're the same Molly Rancho? Um, I think it definitely varies race to race. Like I, I do tend to get quite nervous at the bigger meets, but I try and channel that nerves into the race and try and get the best out of it rather than letting the nerves consume me. Um, but I think there will never be an Olympic trials that I don't get nervous for just because I have had bad luck with Olympic trials in the past, or there's been people break through out of nowhere where it's been quite an unexpected race. So I think I was definitely nervous going into it, but I just, kind of took the confidence I had from the Manchester meets that we've done and the training that we've done in the past year and a half. Um, and I just had to go out there and give it my best and just see what would happen. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You, so maybe you can talk to us about what happened nine years ago and, and that still weighs on you. You're quite young at the time and um, mm-hmm. and you, you've, you've had a journey career since. Um, uh, that still weighs on you. And, and do you use that to your advantage and what happened? Um, yeah. So obviously, 
at the 2012 Olympic trials, I I made my first senior team the, the year before for the 2011 Worlds in Shanghai. Um, and I was 14 at the time. So going into the Olympic trials, I was 15. And obviously, as a kid, it's your absolute dream to make the Olympics. And I think with everything that happened the year before, with the big drop and stuff, it I probably didn't see 2012 as being realistic until the year before. So kind of going into that, I knew that the qualifying time was within my grasp. I was uh, maybe has to a small PB, I think, to get on the team, but it was realistic. Um, and so I went to the, we had two trials back then. So I went to the first trials in London and I hit the qualifying time, but I came second and they had a very complicated um, kind of selection policy at the time where if you finish second, you had to finish a time faster than the qualifying standard, if that makes sense. Um, so then, because I didn't automatically qualify that child, I had to go again in June in Sheffield, and I basically had to reproduce the same time but win the event, um, which I won the event, but I was, I think I went 0.2 slower, so I was literally like 0.1 of a second off the qualifying time. Um, and obviously I didn't make the team. Um, so I think going through all that as a 15 year old was quite tough, um, but it's definitely, I think it shaped the athlete that I am today. And although I obviously still get very nervous for Olympic trials and trials in general, um, I think having that kind of learning curve so young has just made me a bit more appreciate the sport and kind of use every opportunity I have to grow with confidence and grow as an athlete. So. Yeah, it's definitely shaped me, but Olympic Charles have never been, probably never will be my favourite event. So I'm glad it's out of the way. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I had a similar experience at age 14 where I got selected for my national team and then got unselected because of a 14-year-old decision I made to my coach at the time. And you and it was I was blamed for it. And I yeah. still think about this right now, but um, my parents helped me get through it. Like, what support staff helped you get through the time and, and where you are now? Is it a mixture of people and support? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously my parents, I was I was living with them at the time. So bless them, they probably got the brunt of it of me being upset and grumpy yeah, and wanting totally. to quit and all these tantrums. <laughs> um, and then obviously like my coaches that were around me at the time. So I was at um, a Derbyshire club called Venture Excel at the time. So Andy Manley was my head coach. Mm. Um, and I think he's probably the reason that I'm still in the sport today because there has been times with him when I was younger where I was just like, I feel like I'm never going to get my chance. I'm never going to get kind of onto a team again. Um, and I definitely did go into a rut for a few years where I was sort of swimming well, like I'd go to European juniors and I, I won the, the next year, but um, I just wasn't progressing as quickly as I wanted to. And I think it wasn't until I made that move to Loughborough that I kind of fell back in love with the sport. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, you're, You've gone through quite a journey here. This is your third, I believe, UK trials. We talked with some other the young British swimmers, and obviously this year's a little different with trials with no fans and things like that. Um, do you think the trials this year will replicate or get them ready for the Olympics without fans? Well, I mean, it's hard to know what's going to happen this summer, really, isn't it? It's um... mm -hmm. There's talk of maybe some local fans or no fans at all. So we're not entirely sure what to expect. Um, but I do think the games will be very different to, say, Rio or think ones that have been in the past. So um, it's hard to predict what it is going to be like and how strict things are going to be and how quiet the sessions are, I guess. But um, yeah. I guess... The younger swimmers like Elisa have experienced racing with no crowd and for some people that could be a blessing it could kind of take the pressure off of them um but then again some people thrive off the crowd so it'll definitely be interesting come the summer to see what happens but I think all the swimmers in Britain are pretty well prepped for that because I think a lot of us have raced in front of big crowds and a lot of us have obviously raced in front of nobody at trials so Sure. I think hopefully we've kind of got that balance and maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle in Tokyo <laughs> there you go <laughs> You're going to Europeans next week, right? When do you guys leave? It'll be soon, right? Yeah, so we leave on Saturday. You leave on Saturday. Have you any idea what that's going to be like? Have, have they told you if it's going to anybody in the crowd is all quiet again? Are they going to replicate Tokyo as much as we might think it may happen? Like, you're going to have the same protocols and stuff? Do you have what's going on? If I'm honest, I don't know a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll update you next week, maybe. But, yeah. um, 
yeah I, I don't know a lot I'm guessing there's not a crowd um whether they try and go down the ISL route and they kind of hype things up with music and lights and stuff like Budapest have always been pretty good at putting on a good show so mm. I don't know if I'll do that or leave it quite stripped back and bare um which will probably replicate more the summer I guess but yeah unfortunately I don't really know a lot about it it's almost your home pool you spent six weeks there right I, I know I feel like I'm going back home <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we got to get them pumping like fake crowd noise in there we got to have Luke in there going uh uh, <laughs> it's annoying thing in the world. All breaststroke events. Yeah, sounds good. We need it like the football, don't they? They put um, crowd music on over here. Exactly. That's what we need. <laughs> what the heck? So, um, so with Europeans, how are you taking that meet on? Um, are you doing 100, 200 breast um, uh, as well? Or what are your event schedules and what are you hoping to achieve there? Yeah, so... Um, I'm doing the 100 and 200 breaststroke there and hopefully um, either the relay heat or the relay final, depending on who's faster, I guess, in the 100. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm not massively going there with any expectations. I think we kind of, we had trials, we had half a week off and then since then we've kind of just been building back into things and digging ourselves in a little bit of a hole, to be honest, just trying to get some good work in before this, um, before next week. So I don't know. I think we're in that position where things could go really well or things could go really bad because we're all so tired from training. But there has been cases before where after um, after the Olympic trials in 2016, we went to the London European Games like three or four weeks later. And I actually saw faster at the Europeans than I did at Olympic trials. So in my head, I'm holding on to a little bit of hope that that might happen. But, um, you heard it, 218, 218, you heard it, 218. <laughs> skipping 19, uh, <laughs> come back in at 33, do it. Oh, yeah, if I do freestyle with fins, maybe. Yeah, yeah. exactly, that's why I stroke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no real pressure. Yeah, exactly, I mean, I guess, like you said, you made the team already, that's all, all done, so like you said, it should be a fun meet, probably another chance to get some long course racing in which obviously no one has had too much of for an olympic year um one thing you mentioned was the the relay and the 100 breast you got second at uk trials why don't we bounce back to how that race went um yeah so it it went okay i think i got a tiny pv i think maybe like 100 from a second yeah, um, cool, yeah. yeah so I think in that sense, I can't complain. It's a PV and I'm still PV and at 25, which is lovely. You're a swimmer. Come on. Yeah, Always room to improve, right? Always yeah. room to improve. Yeah, you went 220. You wanted to go a 105. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so you always just want a little bit more, don't you? Um, but no, I was, I was really happy with the race. And like after looking back at it, there's definitely things I can improve on. Like my first 50 was the fastest I've ever gone. It's faster than any of my 50 PVs. So and I know kind of where it broke down within that the last 10 meters where I kind of just need to use my legs more so than my arms. So I think going into Europeans, just practicing things like that and seeing what, what times come out of it. But um, yeah, overall, really happy with it at the end of the week. I think um, I was really happy to obviously see Sarah get the qualifying time. You know, she'd been waiting around all week and she's one of my best friends. So I think just to be in that race with her and to do the time with her was just really special. And I think I kind of finished and didn't even look at my time. I just saw her time and was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I was just it was an emotional race just being in that race with Abby and Sarah. It's just lovely to have us kind of all on the team now. Do you think the lack of racing um, hindered your 100 more than your 200? Like you're, you're better prepared for your 200 from your training and lack of racing hindered the little small things in 100? Um, I don't think so. I think it's more my my training focus has definitely been more leaning towards the 200 this year. Um, I maybe do one set a week that's focused more around the 100. But again, when I'm working on the 100, it's more to work the front end of my 200. Um, so like it, it definitely hasn't been a main focus. So to still be able to go there and be on the times I was at the World Championships, I'm really happy with. And I think any more drops I can make on that will just help my 200 more. So what are you doing to help your 200 more? I mean, you, you talk about you traditionally don't have the best back half. You went out when you went out, did you go out feeling easy at that one or seven pace 
and did you die coming home near 200 what are you working on with dave um so like i said like our mantra this season has been like be brave and yeah that's been across all aspects so in the pool we've been doing a lot more kind of um longer distance reps i guess so yeah. in previous years we mainly stick to kind of like 50s at pace hitting the stroke rate hitting the times hitting the counts whereas now we're pushing it more to doing like we've been doing a lot more 150s in training going up to 200 so mm. i think it's just getting me more comfortable with that feeling at the back end of the race so that my technique doesn't just completely break down so yeah, we've been doing loads more stand-ups and stuff in training. Obviously, because of the lack of racing, we've kind of had to yeah. create our own competition. So I think, yeah, it's just getting more comfortable with doing a 200 breaststroke and not going into it with the fear of how the last 50 is going to feel because I know that I've practiced it so many times in training. I know that when I am getting tired, what technique t things to work on in my head and that kind of keeps my stroke together. Yeah, we've had a few 200 breaststrokers on, and I remember the the coach, the Olympic medalist, and and great coach Sergio Lopez was saying it's the it's it's those who can learn not to slow down as much in the 200 breaststroke are those who are going to excel. And he and he's just disappointed in the men's 200 breaststroke record, for instance. There's a 56 versus a 205, 206, you know, yeah. and that's and and that's like a soft record he calls it because people are just slowing down too much. You know, the women mm -hmm. is similar. Um, how um. But how are you, what do you do to maintain your technique then? Is it a mental thing? And that when it's starting to hurt, we all know that pain in the last fifth. Well, I used to know that pain in the last fifth. It was when you breaststroke. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know it anymore. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I was 14. <laughs> but I mean, what are you doing mentally or, or any tips you're doing to like, all right, come on, Molly, keep doing this, keep doing this. Or are you focusing on something else? What are you doing to, to get past that hurdle? Um, I think it's definitely a lot of it is mental and obviously the technique side of it as well. Um, but I remember when I went to the ISL, I was on some of the breakers team and one of the first meetings we had, um, Tina Andrews got up and spoke to us and she said something that's kind of stuck with me ever since she said it is in a race, once you start thinking that it hurts, you've already kind of given up mentally because you're then focusing on how much it's hurting. So I've tried to kind of go into races and go into these simulations and training, thinking less about how it's going to hurt and concentrating more on the technical side of things. So I think I'd always get to the last 50 of a 200 breaststroke and I'd see people go past me and that's where things would just go to pop because in my head, I'd be like, this is so painful. I can't keep up with them. Like it's just, it's just negative thoughts through my head. So I've kind of tried to replace that with technical things like kind of keeping my hands high, narrow kick, finishing my kick, just keeping everything as tight and as streamlined as I can, rather than kind of go into that rushed kind of reppy stroke, because I know that's where I go slower. Whereas if I stick at around a 30, 32 rate and I hold my counts at around about 17, 18 on the last length, that's when I'm the most efficient and that's when I'm fastest. So I think it's been a balance between the two. It's kind of getting rid of them negative thoughts that I would usually kind of let creep in on the last 50 and replacing them with things that are actually going to help me finish the race. Well, it definitely seemed like it, it helped at trials. Obviously, a great swim for you. Watching the race, it, you know, it looked like a very balanced race. Like you said, you you finished strong and, and you're out in the 107. So the 200 breasts, like Luke said, is in a – for women as well, we haven't seen anyone break 220 since 2016, which in swimming mm -hmm. terms lately, that's a long time, right? Yeah. Um, so where do you see yourself dropping time, whether it's the front end, is it still that last 50 holding on a little more for yourself to get under that 220 barrier? Um, I think so. I spoke to a lot of kind of the staff that we have working with us and Dave and um, I think – the main thing is Dave doesn't really want to change my race plan. He thinks me going out in a 107.10 and a 44 is fast enough. It's kind of polishing the smaller details, I guess. So yeah. he, he said something the other day, like, um, if I'm doing 60 strokes over a 200 breaststroke, if I can make every stroke as tight and as streamlined as possible, and even if I only get one 100 better off every mm -hmm. stroke, that's half a second right there. Um, so it's constantly more little things like that what I can get off the starts, the turns speed around the turns um, and yeah just making everything as efficient as possible because 
for me it's less about repping and trying to go fast it's about making everything as efficient as possible and just trying to if I can drop one 100 second on every stroke then that's half a second right there without me even kind of having to improve much out so yeah it's definitely focusing more on the smaller things and not really changing my race plan because I think that's it's pretty much where I want to be at or around there give or give or take a few tenths of a second so it's not massive changes but it's just focusing on the really fine details yeah I mean makes sense I mean obviously you're right up there in the, in the middle contention so it's not like a, a big shift needs to happen like you said mm. these little micro adjustments for each stroke or just focusing on the details can can make a difference but yeah. um one question for Luke how many strokes would you take in a 200 breast? 200 <laughs> over or under 200 strokes in a 200? Well, at least I can wear fins. So if I wear fins, we're good. I go fly <laughs> kick and I go a good 25 underwater. I don't know. Same as Molly. Okay. All right. Yeah. All it takes is fins. Yeah. All these fins and underwater for half the length. We're good. That's nice. Yeah. Who, um, we won't say names. Would you or some of the elite men uh, breaststrokers do more dolphin kicks, Luke? <laughs> that's the only way I swim breaststroke. <laughs> John, it's a narrow yeah, breaststroke. I am being streamlined. I'm keeping my body close to me because it's important. But it just so you happens like, you want to be tighter, more streamlined. It just yeah. happens. Kicks, that, John. John. He's, get you there. He's, he's one of those, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be careful with this Straight advice. Freestyler, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but you know what? That, that's a that's a nice segue. Um, you you haven't got opportunity to be around many of the elite swimmers in the last year and a half. Nobody has. But the ISL did open up to you. Did you um you know what what, what kind of tips and, and and tricks did you pick up? You, Tina, your your GM told you that, and and it was great, it's great advice. I loved it. And obviously that's how Michael, her son, gets through a lot of the pain sets he's in. Um, mm. What what other tips or, or, or tricks you may have picked up and seen on deck or be around? You got quite close to a lot of the athletes. You know, you made new friends. You saw new swimmers. You trained with some of them on your team. Yeah. And I'm talking male, female, young, old, coaches and not. Yeah, I think um, obviously so much kind of like a vast amount of experience and age within the team. And I think the break has just got on so well. I think compared to any other team, we kind of all really made an effort to kind of get to know each other and I think by the end we had such a strong bond that like um we were doing like technique sessions with Marco Kark and he was helping us with our underwater because obviously he's an absolute king on underwater so we were all just trying to help each other and try and kind of go match match to match kind of improving on what we felt like was a weakness in the match before because we sometimes we'd only have two days four days between matches so it was a quick turnaround so it was kind of going to the people that you knew could help you and they're always willing to help so yeah it was it was a great experience and I think having that chance to race so many 200 breaststrokes against the best in the world like Lily King and Emily on our team um I think that kind of race practice really helped me going into the long course season I was hoping you're gonna um we asked Aaliyah Atkinson after her skins um if she was gonna do a flip turn on her breaststroke turn <laughs> <laughs> And I tried so, big. <laughs> so hard. I, I think I'm too tall for it. I've got too much like legs going on. I don't I mean, that's a risky thing. You imagine doing that at, at the 150 mark of the 200. We all tried it. We all tried Some it. Practice. Legs. <laughs> Tell me we didn't try it the next day. <laughs> I tried it and me and me and a few of the best jokers tried it like the day after we saw it, and we was like, that's impressive. Like I couldn't tuck up into a ball small enough I just ended up with like my legs on poolside oh, and yeah. everything was everywhere and I was like I'll stick to a touch 10. <laughs> so going back though to UK trials before we dive into more fun ISL enjoyment because ISL is always dropping new information on us before every show. <laughs> um, so 100 breast I thought that was an interesting race strategy I haven't seen a ton of your races but like you said you you were out strong. Your fastest 50 breast mm -hmm. came off that wall strong. But then, obviously, Sarah seemed to pass you up a little bit that last 25, maybe last 10 meters. And obviously, if we want to stereotype the tuna breaststroker, we expect to close strong, all those <laughs> types of things. So, yeah. like you said, maybe you weren't the most satisfied with that race, even though it was a good time for you. Um, yeah. what, what were some things you took away from that race? 
I think, like you said, like being the 200 breaststroke in that race, Dave kind of said to me going into it, if you can stick with Sarah down the first 50, you know you've got the back end to you kind do, of bring right? it home, yeah. which logically I should. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so I think looking back, to be able to go that time knowing that there's still so much to work on and that if I can kind of keep my cool down that last 25 and go to them technical things rather than just slipping through the water, I know that there's still a lot more to come. So I think it's an exciting race and I hope kind of next week, even if the times aren't as fast, I can kind of correct the things that I did wrong at trials and just see where that puts me. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, like you said, hopefully doing some relays and all that. Um, how do you think the UK team will select their breaststroker for, for the relay, the four medley? At Europeans or? Uh, we can talk about Europeans and then we'll talk Olympics. Okay. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm honest. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Pretty much. Rock, paper, scissors. Um, no, I don't know. I think because the 100 breaststroke is quite early on in the week at Europeans, I think yeah. the fastest girl from that will probably get the final slot and the slow one will maybe be the heat swim. Um, sure. That it seems like the most logical way to see it unless both of us are really far off at times and maybe they'll just pick Sarah because she went faster at trials. But yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that one, but logically I would think that they pick the fastest girl from next week. Okay. So, I was going to say, let's get back to, I'm also interested about your um, your, your, your training group you have in Lothra. Um, I mean, we, we've had a couple of the athletes on, um, Marie Watto was on, et cetera. It was, it was and Felix. Um, it was great knowing, and there's a different groups I know. Um, but like when we had Joe Litchfield on his 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 group of eight was it Joe? No, Max. No, who do we have on? Anyway, one one of the one of the groups we had on there was eight swimmers, and five of them had made the Olympic team of in his training yeah. group of eight. That was down in Bath, and, and that's that's fascinating. Um, what's what's it like with the training group now? How has it evolved with the new influx of new swimmers adding to it? And how are you keeping you you guys sane? To be quite honest, let's you know the mental side and keeping you through this crisis we had and keep you going. What's that family been like and how you've been growing? Let's get into that. Um, so I think our, our group, um, Dave's group, we're really close knit. Like I think inside and away from the pool, we're all great friends. Um. And I think obviously going into lockdown was really difficult. Like we've gone from seeing each other, well, spending way too much time together probably um, in a week to not seeing each other at all. So that was tough, but you know, we kind of had, we had Zoom calls every day, whether that was doing circuits or on the bike or doing yoga sessions. So we could still interact that way. And then on weekends, we'd always try and do like a fun kind of Zoom quiz. I know they kind of died out by the end, but at the start they were okay. Um, so yeah, we, we are a really close-knit group and I think get, being able to get back in the pool last June time, um, I think we all kind of, because swimming have been taken away from us in a way that we'd never had before, you know, we obviously have summer breaks and stuff, but when you're put in a position where it's taken away from you and it's not your choice, I think that kind of all kind of relit a fire within us and we all came back and we were like, we don't really know what's happening with the season. We don't know if it's going to be Olympic Games next year, but we all just got straight back into it. And I think having that team around you that trains so hard and we push each other every day in training, um, even though we're a lot of the time we're doing different sessions, like there's the IM group, there's me and James Wilby, who are the breaststrokers. Then we have 10K open water swimmers in our group. So like there's, um, there's a vast range of things going on in every session, but we're so close knit. And I think, seeing everyone doing so well it kind of it just helps you day to day going into training and pushing yourself because you know you're doing it with your team and seeing them succeed at the Manchester meets and then obviously everyone's from absolutely amazing the trials like it's just really special to have people to go along this journey with that you do really class as like your friends and almost your family I guess so mm. yeah we're a really we're a really close-knit group and I think that's definitely helped having that kind of um this kind of flow of confidence running through the group like we're all just kind of riding this wave together at the minute and i think we're all just excited to see what we can do this summer do you do anything um to work on that more um proactively to work on the mental side of the swimming the mental health of your swimming do you do you do you have a some you speak to a therapist do you do activities that keeps you going or you just rely on that strong network of family and this, it just is very symbiotic and organic um I think like we obviously do have people we can talk to if we need yeah. to. Um, 
a lot of us have weekly sessions with um, a psych, um, but that's kind of more racing based, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so like race based psychology and things like that. But I think everyone in Loughborough is so, so lovely. Like if you're ever struggling with anything, you know that you can go and talk to the staff or you can talk to the swimmers. And I've definitely got like my go to people and I know other people do in the group. Um, but yeah, like this past year has obviously been really tough mentally as well as well as physically in the pool but um yeah it's it's such a good group of people and the staff mm-hmm. are amazing too so yeah there's there's always someone to talk to if you need to i was interested in how did the past year postponements do you think were you ready to go and 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 you or do you think this extra year helped you to get faster i mean it helped some swimmers qualify swimmers like matt richards weren't ready a year ago to make that team and now they were were you yeah. ready to go and was, or the extra year was a good silver lining for you to focus on training what do you think i think it has been a silver lining i think i think i probably would have still made the team but mm-hmm. probably still kicking around a 222 223 as i have been um but yeah kind of like i said with with the sport being taken away from me you know i've <clears throat> i've been doing this now and i've been on senior teams for the past 10 years now and I've never had a prolonged break away from the pool to kind of mentally and physically refresh. So I kind of, I hate change if it's out of my control. So when something's taken away from me, I kind of, I struggled with it at first, but then I kind of started to enjoy lockdown and I kind of accepted that everything was put off for a year. But then I think, like I said, it just kind of relit this fire within me that I don't know how long I have left in the sport. And I just thought, you know what if the olympics is a year and a half away like i just have to give it everything for this year and a half and like do the things i say i'll keep on doing but i've never kind of reached that goal or whether that's in the gym or with body composition and things like that so i've just kind of used this time to kind of try and take everything to the next level i'm glad it's paid off and i'm going to keep doing that this summer and hopefully things can get faster again we're seeing that Johnny and a lot of the athletes who are, who are taking that time and flipping it around even in the NBA with Steph Curry being out for a year injuries having a greatest season is the ones who can turn it around and just focus on what you said and with Molly it's great John go ahead yeah I was just gonna say I think uh, anyone that's been at that level for so long and it's kind of piggyback with Luke and even Molly is saying I mean 10 years is a long time to be going on these trips being on national teams junior national teams a lot of pressure um, and some everyone you know that affects everyone over time for sure so i think breaks away from the sport are often a good thing for the body and more importantly the mind and like you said athletes aren't good at taking breaks so sometimes it being forced upon them can be some of the best things and help get over some barriers because like you said you were stuck here a little bit in that 22 23 range so that's a huge drop to a 20 for no offense an old breaststroke somewhere like <laughs> at age 25, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think I, I kind of hope that this will change the sport a bit because I think yeah. for a sport that's very relentless and yeah. we go from season to season and we have maybe one or two weeks break between it. And I'm kind of hoping that people will take a look at this and think, you know, these guys had two, three months out of the water. And I guess we were the lucky ones only having two, three months out. Like mm. there's, people in the UK who have then just got back in the pool. Um, so, and our whole group is better than they ever have. So hopefully it'll kind of change the dynamics of the sport and maybe we can start having holidays and stuff. <laughs> well, what a good segue. Because <laughs> IFL just came out with when the the next season three is gonna begin. And it's starting to get a little flack because it's pretty close to the Olympics. And obviously, as professionalism grows, there might be some um, some more more racing, some less breaks, and some more pressure on the athletes. Um, I was talking with Meg, who, who helps us out on the back end, about this before, how a lot of the NBA players in the U.S., they skip out on the Olympics because they get no break. And they say, hey, this is when I need to kind of decompress. I'm not going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts about when the ISL next season will start in proximity to the Olympic Games? Um, I mean, I guess it's not ideal. I think after, after Rio, I had maybe four or five weeks out, and that's the biggest break I've ever had, um, mm-hmm. which I did kind of feel like it was needed at that point. So I don't know. I guess maybe having a break earlier earlier last year um, will kind of, keep me going a little bit longer without a break but um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously really keen to do the ISL again. I think it's it's really high quality race and it definitely helps towards the long course season. But I think me and my coach have discussed that we'll kind of have maybe like take weeks here and there, which we've never really done before, rather than having like a two week block after the major games kind of thing. Um, oh. So we'd maybe have a week after the Olympics and then maybe another week after we come back from the first ISL and then a week after the second ISL, like a longer break around Christmas. So I guess it's it's going to be different, but I think with everything that's happened this year, everything's different anyway. So I think I'm just trying to take things in my stride and just if I go there and it's been terrible, who knows, maybe I'll never get a holiday again. But um, <laughs> we'll see, I think. There's, no, there's nothing I can do, I can change it. So I'm kind of just going into it with a positive mindset. Yeah, and I think it's different for, you know, obviously athletes at different points in their career with breaks and all those things. Obviously, you got tons of reps underneath you, underneath your belt. So figuring out that break schedule, I'm sure you'll be able to bounce back pretty quick. And sometimes the ISL has taught us anything to kind of push our imagination with the sport a little bit, which swimming isn't good at because a lot of swimmers and coaches are so type A. This is how it is. This is how it's going to be. This is when you take your breaks. This is when you do things. Um, so maybe it could be a blessing that we find different type of break and rest strategies to be more beneficial for certain athletes. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've seen it before where athletes have gone straight from Rio, they went straight to the World Cups and stuff and yeah. they've raced really well there. And that's that was obviously more personal preference. But I guess if you want to be part of the ISL, you kind of have to commit to maybe only having a week off or so after the Olympics. But yeah, I think... I guess if you're not desperate for a big break, then it's not really a problem because if you can take smaller breaks throughout the year, that might work better for some people. So yeah, like you said, hopefully it might kind of break some stigmas around swimming and having big breaks or little breaks here and there and kind of breaking up your season a little bit more. Well, Luke applied for ISL. He's done a 10-year break. So we'll see how well that worked out for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get James Gibson to get me on, and he's a GM now, and get the Finns event, right? We're good. But it, the, yeah. the timing is interesting, guys. The thing about what the, time, the timing is also on this level. So in, in professional sports in the U.S., you, you see these athletes always trying to increase their stock in their contract year, right? So they can get drafted and free agents. And your stock just shot up two weeks ago, Molly. Right. Um, and the draft is in three weeks time. Um, and so, you know, people are aware, well, OK, let's pay attention to what's going on at 200 breaststroke field and, and look at all the points that now Molly Renshaw can bring to a team, not just in individual events, but in skins. Um, yeah. The U.S. trials are after the draft. And then, then and then and then and the draft is before the Olympics when athletes might be peaking for. Like, you know, yeah. and, 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 but it's too late. I've already picked my team and got my team sorted out. So it's interesting the dynamics and time and it's a headache for the GMs. Don't you think, guys? Yeah, I guess logistically yeah. not ideal. But then it's also, I guess, the long course season. Is it that comparable to short course? I know a lot yeah. of swimmers that, like, take for example, James Wilby, absolutely amazing long course, but his turns and stuff just aren't quite right. And he gets very frustrated with it. And he's yeah. not one of the best short course swimmers and you won't mind me saying that but so I think it is hard to compare whether what people are doing long course as to what they can do short course um but yeah I guess some people just kind of have to take a risk on a few athletes and see if it pays off yeah I think part of the issue or just when you have an international you know selection process it's just going to be tricky and there's never going to be a perfect time to do such a draft um, because there's going to be people peaking at different times and all that, but that's what makes it fun, Lou. Come on, get out of this. Yeah, but we need to have everyone peaking at the same time. You got to roll the dice. After the London games, after the London games, there's a guy in the crowd. He after the, the men's and women's fifties, he went to all the athletes as they're coming out of the of the finals, and he said, "You, you, 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 what are you doing? In two weeks? Can I fly you to Palo Alto?" Yes, he flew most of the Olympic finals into events, and they swam in the Tiburon Sprint. And it was a it was a 25 meter two lane backyard pool, and everybody was there, and they swam for 10 grand to win. And we had from Tony Schneider, Bovell, um, everybody, male and female, Anthony Irvin, Josh Schneider, George Bovell. Not everyone knows these wow. people on a first name basis. Yeah, the Olympic <laughs> finalists in the 53 for men and women in two, 2012 Olympics. You know them, Molly. So, and they all went there, and they were literally like, "You swam fast. Let's go and make some more money." That's before the ISL, and that was pretty cool because you still you can hold your taper, and they swam fast. Anyway, that was yeah. 
Yeah, I guess for 50 athletes, it's probably a little bit different. I think I'd probably back myself on a 50 free more so than a 200 breaststroke after a gotcha. two-week break. But <laughs> There you go, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, ISL, I think with the timing, they're trying yeah. to capitalize on the Olympic excitement. Um, the names should be fresh in people's heads. Do you think, though, that Olympic or people's memory is long enough to carry over to ISL? Oh, I don't know. I think <sighs> swimming, especially in the UK, swimming is one of the most watched sport at the Olympics, if not the most watched sport. It's so popular. But then mm -hmm. the three years in between every Olympic, four years every between, people don't care. They they don't watch the World Championships. They don't watch the Europeans, and mainly because it's not televised enough. Um, so... I, I understand that like the ISL taking a different approach to things and they're making it a lot more exciting and fun. But I feel like until we're in a place where spectators can probably attend is in the UK is probably not going to stick on to the end of the Olympics. Um, just speaking yeah. from like the past, I guess um, it's not, it's not the most thrilling sport, I guess, in the UK unless it's an Olympic Games. Yeah, and I think we have a similar sentiment in the in the U.S. Obviously, we love swimming. We're super swim nerds. But I think the memory of the regular fan is going to probably be gone by the end of the Olympics, let alone after the Olympics. I hope not. And I hope, like I said, this gets a more buzz going, more excitement, yeah. more name recognition. But but I'm not sure. I'm intrigued to see kind of how it pans out. What do you think, Luke? You think it's it's it's, a, it's also the familiarity. I mean, before ISL, I probably still don't know. I didn't have much of a global reference to the men of the athletes beyond mm -hmm. what I see all the time with the pro series in the states or NCAA swimming. So I didn't know many of the British athletes at all, far less the the Hungarians or what have you. And the ISL brought that. So and 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 vice versa. I mean, I'm sure. Molly, you you didn't know many of the freshmen, you know, people in NCAA system. So I'm hoping a shows like this help, and all these podcasts we are on these days that help. But um, mm -hmm. the ISL will help bring prominence to the athletes. With the with the Aussies not able to make the ISL, how many British swimmers got exposure and got on the world stage and got to be known as right? Yeah. So, and I, I didn't know half of them. Absolutely didn't know. I heard maybe read about them. So, I guess we're talking different things still, though. But it's, and maybe I was still, uh, like I said, or maybe me and I was thinking what I think the ISL thinks they're doing, which is, it's, oh, everyone oh. in the world will like watching this versus, yeah. hey, let's just get the swim people first to follow the <laughs> ISL closely. Yeah. I, I would talk with different high school kids here in the States that swim on club. Half of them didn't even know ISL was going on. In all honesty, yeah. I'm like, maybe it's like, hey, we need – Let's focus on this. And if if all the swimmers are into ISL, it probably can get per, pretty big. I mean, swimming's a pretty popular sport, uh, at least in, in areas that have water and things like that. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's obviously still very new, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. Although we're still going into the third season of it, it's, I know that if I walked down the road and asked someone if they knew what the ISL was, they wouldn't have it. A Scooby, whereas they'd know what the Olympics is, so it's definitely not on the same. They will scale, stop you if you wore your your boxing gown thing. They will stop you. Be like, what's going on? Because <laughs> I think I was crazy. <laughs> no, if you search ISL, it, uh, Indian Super League still yep. comes up first, the cricket league. So we, there's still a long way to go. They're not helping themselves, are they? <laughs> they're not. They're not. That's for sure. <laughs> so um, speaking of stops, obviously you were in Budapest um, for season two and, and it's a great swimming city. It's too bad that fans couldn't go because it probably would have been sold out every time. We don't know what the fan situation is going to be like this year up in, in Italy and in Naples. But are you excited to head down to Italy for season three? Yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> hopefully I get picked for a team first. Um, and then, yeah, I'd, I'd love a month in Italy, I think. It's much better than spending the month in Loughborough, isn't it? So, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very much solar-powered, so hopefully we can get some outdoor training in. And, yeah, it'll be nice. Well, let's be brief. Molly, sell, what, what's your pitch? Why why, why should Lisa um, hire you? What's your pitch? Where are you at? Let's see you. Project 218. Project 218. Here it is. I've been working on my short course. I've got turns. I'm going to take you down. I My lack takes like six after two fifties and skins. We're yeah. good for the final. We can do five dolphin kicks on a pullout. No one even knows. I might just hire you two instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think I, 
Sorry, go on. I said, we, we'll be your hype train, all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I just love um, short course training and um, racing. I think there's just, there's no pressure on it. And I think the whole new idea of being part of a team is the most exciting thing, you know, because it's a very individual sport. And even though, like I've said, we have a great squad around us, it's great to meet different people from around the world and compete against the best in the world multiple times throughout the year rather than just once at the major games. So, I think it's just an amazing opportunity for anyone that can be involved. We're criticizing the ISL all the time about what could it do better, what could it do better. What do you think you could do better? What would you do better next time if you're in the same situation? What would you improve on? Um, I'm not sure. I think it kind of maybe took me a few matches to get going last time. I think because we hadn't raced in so long because of the pandemic and we've been out yeah. of training, like I think. I think going into Olympic trials, we were a lot more prepared for that than we were the ISL. So I think maybe going into it, doing a few more kind of like stand-ups or simulations in training just to mm -hmm. kind of get a feel for where we're at. Because um, I remember going into the first match and me and Abby Wood were just talking to each other and we were like, we're so nervous and we're just we're just racing. Like we're just doing what we actually enjoy. Um, so yeah, I think just just really thriving on it and kind of doing the back-to-back -back racing which we're maybe not used to that we haven't done since we were age group swimmers and kind of just thinking less about the pain and the lactate that's building up and just trying to focus on the team and mm -hmm. winning points for them so what we're going to do is that we're going to send our friend sunny treg the swimsuit guy and he's going to be your hype up guy we're going to get dj going to you <laughs> you and abby going to dress up for training practice and come out right <laughs> <laughs> you don't know us Brits very well. We're, we're not very, very like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I'm teasing. Like, no, 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 no. All right. Let's break down ISL draft. So, like Luke said, draft is coming up. Um, they get a pick. Let's see if any of us figured out the rules of it yet. So, they get a pick five people first, right? Yeah. And then there's a pause. And then they pick 10 people. And those are from their, their team from last year. Is that yeah. all of our understandings? Yeah. Okay. Well, everyone's just nodding because we all, none of us know. All right. I'm not 100% sure. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me, ask, let's, let's assume that's right. So let's say you get picked in one of those first 15 slots by a team. What do you know what happens from there? Is it like, Hey, you know, they select you. Do you go into contract negotiations? Do they say, all right, this is what you're going to make. Um, are you like, do you have time to back out? don't have much info more than we do but i'm just curious yeah so as far as i know i i don't know if 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 your team pick you from the year before i don't know if you have much option i think you mm -hmm. kind of have to go with them um and then obviously contract stuff get involved but i think again there's a solidarity um mm -hmm. payment thing again so i believe we're all being paid the same so it's not negotiable sure um but yeah i'm not 100 sure i'm not sure if if breakers asked me to go back if i can be like yeah, yeah, so yeah who what yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what my understanding it seems like that's you're pretty much there because certainly as much as you you know everyone loves their team there's incentives to be on the team that is more likely to win some pretty big incentives yeah, yeah definitely and so from that aspect i'm not too sure but then i guess the only positive is that I guess if if you are a worse team, you get first picks in the draft. Is that yep, correct? Yep. Yeah, for the, so the could, picks. Yeah, yeah, so that kind of should level things out, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to know, isn't it, until the teams are picked. So it, it, they've defined it a bit more. So one week before draft day, each GM announces, I'm going to hold on to five summers. One uh -huh. week before draft day. And then on draft day, you got four rounds. So each GM gets a turn. In the first round, a GM goes four. Next round, three, two, one, right? So, you know, John, you selected only breaststrokers. I now know that affects my four I want to I have, et cetera. So that's now making more and more sense. And, 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 and credit Jared for, for explaining it here. Um, and then there's a day two one, which, I, which is the fan votes. And that gets really confusing after that. I still want to know how this fan vote goes. <laughs> God knows. Yeah, that's 16, that's, you're picking the 16th person on a team. I don't know. I mean, that's I want to see Foster against Lizak. That's all I want to see. So we're good. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, I, all right. I honestly don't know. But I'm all just right, going to sit tight. Rapid fire. 
questions for you to, to finish it up here, okay? Okay. All right. Hardest race in swimming. Turn to fly. Long course? Oh, anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, probably. In my backyard. Open water, long course, doesn't matter. Works backyard yard pool. All right. Um, would you rather have an ISL MVP, a world record, or an Olympic gold medal? Olympic gold medal. All right. What's faster, above water recovery or in the water, water recovery on breaststroke? Oh, in the water. Okay. The glide, I think. <laughs> Should there be an 800 medley relay? Uh, I'm not sure I'd want to add another 200 breaststroke to my schedule, so no. <laughs> You're like, let's think what this means, what this really means. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Are the elite breaststroke swimmers doing extra dolphin kicks? Oh, no comment. Oh. I'm not. I'm not, but... <laughs> there you go alright last one here who's weirder breaststrokers or distance swimmers oh distance swimmers 100% I know you you alright well Molly we won't take up any of your time thank you very much for joining us congrats on a awesome UK trials and, and talking with us today we wish you the best of luck on projects 218 uh, leading into uh, the Olympic Games. Fingers crossed they happen for all the athletes and more selfishly us fans here, okay? Um, but nonetheless, yeah. thanks everyone for, for listening and joining in here today. Remember to subscribe, follow, and share. And we'll be back next week with another show of Social Kick. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at The Social Kick Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website at thesocialkick.com.